0: The Atop the Pit Box podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh.
1: Good evening, Fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pit Box podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. On this episode, we're going to talk about the Charlotte Roval road course race and look ahead to this weekend's race at the las vegas motor speedway which is the first race in the round of eight
0: josh how is your night going uh pretty good my face as you can see is not filled with pie so that is that is fantastic news how are you doing i'm doing good and that's your loss that's your loss, but uh, yeah,
1: we'll, we'll get into that. I, I thought for sure that I was going to be able to get a pie in your face there with uh, Chase Elliott leading that race and having it all but one, but NASCAR thought otherwise.
0: <laughs> yes, they did. So uh, let's get into our NASCAR news from the past week, and we've talked a lot on this podcast about the new cars and driver safety. Any updates on on this?
1: yeah so i got two pieces uh, on this topic so nascar did some crash testing last week i believe it was on a wednesday uh at a track in ho in Ohio, and they were doing some i guess manipulation or some changes to the rear ends of the cars trying to make the rear end uh, absorb more of these crashes compared to the drivers and they were pretty uh they they really like what they saw in regards to this new change or the changes they've made, and they presented that to the drivers on Sunday morning. But uh, what it sounds like is it it sounds like they get, NASCAR had a slideshow, uh, however many slides it was. Well, they got to slide two, and that's when kind of all hell broke loose, and and it turned into basically just a big vent session, and a lot of drivers are, are pretty you know upset still to this point that uh nascar did not take them seriously uh, when they were testing this last year before they rolled it out saying that you know the rear end is too stiff we need to make changes nascar didn't listen to them so uh nonetheless nascar did come out and say that they are going to make some changes to the rear of the car starting next year so unfortunately uh, the next four races uh, won't be any safer per se for these drivers but they are going to make some changes to the uh, rear bumper the rear clip and the center clip to absorb more of the impact of the crash rather than that going into the driver.
0: And this, this meeting that they had, it sounds like they are going to start to do this more often where they meet with the drivers and get their opinions and, and let them speak directly to NASCAR versus, you know, going to Twitter or the media and and airing out their grievances there. Um, What are your thoughts on, on driver meetings
1: well so there's there's a driver co- there's a driver committee and it's always exist, existed right now it's jeff burton he's the head of this committee i can't remember the exact name but basically he's the intermediary between the drivers and nascar and what like you pointed out what they're doing now is they're going to have more of these face-to-face meetings more often so that they can get on the same page and make the drivers feel like, you know, what their opinions, uh, what, what opinions they're voicing are, are important, they're heard, and hopefully uh, NASCAR takes them seriously and initiates some of the things that they want to do. Uh, I find it very funny that it's taken this long for NASCAR to, to start doing this. Uh, but you look at the year they've had, and this has got to be one of the biggest black eyes NASCAR has had in a long time in regards to just all the you know, chaos with the driver injuries and a lot of the mistakes at the track in regards to cautions and, and all of that stuff. So um, I'm glad they're
0: finally doing it. But to me, it's, it's almost a little too late. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that they have that now. It's, it is kind of wild to think that it didn't exist before. Like they were, they never listened to the drivers or never had a plan to get their opinions on, on the sport, but, uh, I guess good for them for, for, for taking that step forward. So, um, another topic that we have talked about on the podcast before, and, and that's the revenue sharing model and, you know, the importance of sponsorship to teams. Uh, can you explain a little bit of what developments have happened on, on this front
1: yeah, and it's to put this in perspective, it's it's very uh, unique and different that this has been leaked to the media ahead of time. I just think that shows you what kind of contentious battle uh, the teams are having with NASCAR at this moment in regards to kind of what they want for this new deal. But with that being said, there's a four- So do you to- think,
0: so hold on, NASCAR is, is NASCAR's not the one that leaked this, right? I think no, we can was, agree that <laughs> yep, it was it the was teams, teams yeah. that leaked this
1: and i think that they're trying to use this as leverage uh, and again it makes nascar look bad so it's genius on their part but it just shows you how bad it's gotten in the, <laughs> it, you know in the background that they're leaking stuff to the media uh which usually and has always not been leaked in the past but with that being said um there's a team negotiating committee that consists of four members and that is representatives from Hendrick Motorsports, 2311, RFK, JGR, essentially your four biggest cup teams today. And they presented a proposal to NASCAR in June, and they called it like the seven-point revenue sharing proposal on things that they think can be improved on and things that they want to see changed in order for these teams to... to, uh, I guess, not have to rely on sponsorship dollars as much as they uh, do today. However, that fell on deaf ear. NASCAR did not reply or send a anything back until last week, which is why you're now hearing about this in the media. Uh, NASCAR declined the original proposal from the teams. And from everything that's been leaked, it sounds like they're significantly far apart in regards to what NASCAR is willing to do and what these teams want. Essentially, NASCAR offered a very modest increase on the amount of money they're willing to give these teams from the TV revenue cut, uh, which today teams get 25%. Uh, so I don't know if that was like an increase to 26 to 30%, something like that, but it wasn't enough to move the needle. NASCAR wants these teams to cut costs even more than they have today. And NASC, these teams have basically flat out said that's not possible without doing mass layoffs. They feel like they have cut every expense out that they possibly can in order to maintain the staff they have and to put a good product on the racetrack. And it doesn't seem like NASCAR agrees with that. Uh, to put this into perspective, as of today, teams get 25% of the TV revenue, tracks get 65%. And then 10% goes to NASCAR. And what I find very odd about that breakout is NASCAR is owned by the France family, and they also own a majority of the NASCAR tracks. So if you think about it, essentially NASCAR is getting 75% of all media dollars, and then the teams are left what I call scraps at 25%. Um, Jeff Gordon came out. And he's part of this, uh, part of the documents that has been leaked. And they basically said race teams do not turn a profit, which I, f- which I found very shocking and kind of alarming. Uh, he said Hendrick Motorsports specifically has not turned a profit in numerous years. This year, they're on track to lose money again. And essentially, these teams can't keep losing money if NASCAR wants these teams to stay in business
0: if Hendrick Motorsports is not making money, there's not another team that's making money. So that is, that's very telling. And I think that the teams are a hundred percent in the right on this one. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think that they deserve more. They are the ones that, put the product on the, on the racetrack. They're the ones that are doing the work, uh, investing in the, in the people and the teams and, uh, you know, the streaming contract and the TV contract and all, all the things that go into, into NASCAR and they get 25% of the TV revenue is just, it, it makes sense why there would be a discussion about the new TV contract. Um, I was listening to door bumper clear and they made an interesting point that I, I hadn't thought of is that race teams are funded basically with sponsorship dollars. Like we've talked about, you know, a lot on the podcast as NASCAR, if you're the head of NASCAR, wouldn't you want the best drivers to be in your sport? And the reality is there are drivers in door bumper clear. They named off like four or five drivers that were top level drivers that will never see the cup series, just because they don't have the funding. And, and that is, that's a problem. You, you don't see that in any other sport where, you know, the best basketball player or the best football player doesn't make it to the NFL or NBA because of money. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, The sport needs, you know, the best drivers possible and they got to figure out this, this money thing. And obviously sponsorships are going to be a part of it regardless but these teams shouldn't have to rely on it. And that just kind of brought that point or hammered that point home a little bit more for me.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and when you think about it, so as of today, NASCAR teams generate 60 to 80% of their revenue from sponsorships. Crazy. When you compare that to major league baseball, those teams generate eight to 12% from sponsors and then NHL teams are a little bit higher at 17 to 18%. And so as we pointed out in this podcast, Denny Hamlin is essentially not building a new race shop for 2311 Racing right now, until they get this hammered out. Because these teams are operating on such razor-thin margins, he doesn't want to go and invest 10, 15, 30 million dollars, whatever it costs to build a brand new state-of-the-art facility, if he doesn't think the 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 uh, business model is going to allow these teams to basically survive and to at least break even or turn a profit year over year. So when you think about NASCAR, to me, NASCAR isn't NASCAR without the race teams. The race teams can go, and there's even talks about this, if if for some reason there's a lockout or they can't agree with anything, they're saying these NASCAR teams can go ahead and go out on their own and start their own racing league, essentially, (laughs) or, or racing sport, and survive and hopefully be fine. NASCAR needs teams. The teams don't need NASCAR, is where is basically where it stands today. So they've got to come up with something that is mutually beneficial for these guys because these race teams are the one taking the massive gamble from a business standpoint on trying to make it in the sport, trying to put a good, you know, product on the on the track, where NASCAR basically just sits back. And reaps all of the money for essentially not doing much, if anything, so uh, it's obviously broken, and they need to get it fixed. Um, they've got two more years essentially to negotiate this uh, before twenty twenty five so hopefully they can come up with something, and I think they will come up with something because NASCAR knows it needs these teams in in order to survive from a business standpoint. so
0: yeah, hopefully it gets it gets fixed, and we can. Increase the the quality of drivers, and they don't have to worry about sponsorship. You know, going down the road. A perfect example of what you said about the you know
1: the best drivers not ever making it to NASCAR. Think about what just happened with Kyle Busch. He's kind of the figurehead of this whole sponsorship business uh, fiasco in regards to how 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 the pie gets broken out. If the NASCAR teams say they had to rely on sponsorship dollars for just the driver contract, they could essentially go and get anyone they wanted and piece it together in order to make that work. But when they've got to cover the contract for the driver as well as the cost for the race team and putting that car on the track, that's where things change. And so Kyle Busch is kind of being used as a figurehead here. But when Mars Inc., who owns Snickers, uh, M&M's, a big candy conglomerate decided that they were done after this year that essentially lost all of the sponsorship dollars for the number 18 race team, which then cost Joe Gibbs from being able to resign Kyle, Kyle Busch because of the contract that he um, would, would deem fit dollar wise and keep him in the car. Fortunately, that's just not possible when you don't have the sponsorship dollars backing it.
0: And it's unfortunate for Kyle Busch that he had to go through that. And I know it took its toll on him, through the race season. Um, But maybe the good thing that comes out of this is that he's brought light to the complete ass backwards business model that NASCAR has. And, and maybe he can be the reason that it changes and there can be some good that comes out of it. So hopefully we, we see some good news with that, but a lot going on with, with, with the, the NASCAR, uh, with NASCAR and, during the playoffs none, nonetheless so they picked a great time to, to have all this stuff go down <laughs> Tell me, so. man, they leaked, they
1: leaked this on purpose and they're basically oh, just sure. trying to trying to put nascar in a corner especially with the year that nascar's had so i don't blame them at all for what they're doing and uh quite honestly i think it's a pretty smart clever coy move well, on there look part. at
0: who's look at who the uh the people are that's representing that and you've got jeff gordon who's obviously respected and a very intelligent man along with Michael Jordan's right-hand man who has helped him grow his brand to the, the giant brand that it is today. So NASCAR has got their hands full. They're not just dealing with, uh, you know, some Hicks here out there trying to run a race. They've got some, some savvy business people that, uh, know what they have and, and have the leverage. So let's move on to, to the, uh, to the Roval. Um, this was not a very good race. Uh, it was not very exciting. Uh, the only excitement really for me was, was hoping that I wasn't going to get a pie in the face, but what did you think about, about this weekend's race at the Robo? I think you, I think you hit it, hit it, uh, hit it on the head there, man. Uh, it was pretty
1: boring, not really exciting. Um, if you watched that race, the only thing you really needed to watch was the last three laps and then the (laughs) overtime. Uh, so, I really thought again, I was going to be able to get a, get, you know, pie in the face with chase Elliott, all, but having that race one, he had like a four second lead. Um, I can't remember how many laps were left 10, 15 laps, something like that. And then NASCAR threw what I consider a ghost caution. So there went Elliott's chances of winning and it saved you from
0: getting a pie in the face. So let's, let's talk about that. Cause that's the, uh, the top storyline that we have from this race. Um, Like you said, the first 95% of the race was, was boring and and really no reason to talk to it, but, um, Chase Elliott was leading with up five seconds and I think it was like 10 or 15 laps to go. And they threw a caution, uh, for a sign that was on the racing surface, which led to the chaos. But before we get into the chaos, I want to get your thoughts on about the caution what do you think about them throwing the yellow flag there?
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm torn, but at the time I was indifferent. uh, And I, and I know there's some strong opinions on both sides of the aisle. So uh, with that being said, the sign was a giant chunk of cardboard. It fell off, but it was not on the racing surface. It was out of the typical line that, that drivers were taking in that corner. So to me, it wasn't a danger to the drivers, and if a driver, you know, for some reason got out of the out of the uh, lane and ran it over, there should have been no issues whatsoever. However, with that being said, I think when that happened, NASCAR was excited,
0: thrilled,
1: <laughs> and pumped, and they couldn't push that caution signal any faster than what they did because that... to that point it was in a very extremely boring race and nascar is all about chaos right now and that is exactly what they what they wanted and and needed
0: so nascar i think had to throw a caution there i think i know that there's a piece of cardboard at the time i don't think anybody knew um it would be a shame if chase elliott drove over that and blew a tire and and ended up causing him to to lose the race so i think that NASCAR had to throw a caution there, but for me, it is inexcusable that we are in this situation at all. The fact that there is a chance that a a piece of the sign can come off of the wall and be on the racetrack. There was another car that had uh, a sign on its grill. It might've been an Xfinity series where they were driving with us. That is just insane that that happens, especially in a playoff race. So to me, that is that is the real crime because it yes, it made the race exciting, but why are we even in this, in this position in the first place?
1: Yeah, I agree. And and I actually remember that race that you are referencing. I'm pretty sure that it might've been at, up in Wisconsin. Uh, and I can't remember if it was this year or if it was last year, but the, yeah, they put a bunch of these giant signs whatever they're made of in the grass where yeah if a driver got off track he was going to be plowing through these signs and like you said i believe it was a it was a cheese sign for some reason i'm thinking like Sargento (laughs) cheese and they drug that sign all the way back to pit road in order for his team to take it off so um maybe this is a good lesson for nascar to make sure that they use gorilla glue on these things or or change how they put these signage up because the sign should not change or alter a race uh, based on it falling off of the wall like it did.
0: So it did change the it did change the race, change the playoffs, and we got the caution for the for the sign. And and that's really where we started to see a familiar scene when it comes to the end of these races.
1: It can be summed up by one word and one word only and that's chaos. (laughs) Uh, on the restart with three laps to go, you watched it. Drivers were just ramming into everybody and anybody. Again, these road course races last, uh, end of race restarts, overtime restarts, they turn into a demolition derby where nobody cares about anybody. And and it just turns into an absolute chaos wreck fest to me. I can't stand it. I hate it. I think most fans would agree with me and I think they do agree with me based on, uh, what this poll was from last weekend's race. Uh, but I think NASCAR, they're all about chaos this year. I, I don't think they care uh, about what happens on the track, as long as there's chaos, there's massive wrecks, and, and they're trying to drum up excitement for us fans. But unfortunately, this is the wrong way to drum up excitement, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, there's a difference between just chaos and you know, good, hard racing that Leads to a wreck because somebody has to take a chance and you know causes a caution. So it's definitely unfortunate when you have you know Chase Elliott, who was going to win this race. Let's not kid ourselves, he there was no way AJ Alvin Dinger was going to pass him. Uh, he was four and a half seconds to go. Uh, and the caution comes out, and now he has a chance to, to rough him up, gets past him, and and Christopher Bell makes the move uh, to, to take the lead. And, and that was a wrap because there was no passing. There was, you know, no, no real hard, no good racing. And it's unfortunate, but that's, that's kind of what we got. Yeah.
1: Speaking of Christopher Bell, uh, you know, a win in he had to win to get in. So basically people were saying it's a walk-off home run in baseball. <laughs> it's a walk-off win in NASCAR. Uh, he's the sixth driver to do so in this new, uh playoff format uh win and get in type scenario so i thought that was kind of cool to see again he shouldn't have even been in contention he shouldn't have even been able to have a chance to win this race if it wasn't for that caution the cardboard sign chase Elliott had this race won and wrapped and it's going to be really interesting to see if those five bonus points mm-hmm. state that, that, that chase elliot would have won if that for some reason comes back and cost him in the the next two rounds, or at least this round uh, in the round of eight, if he misses the playoffs by less than five points, this race should be circled, highlighted, bolded, (laughs) whatever you want, because this, this race basically got stolen from him.
0: And he gave up a playoff point at the end of stage two, he was going to win stage two. And he gave that position up because he wanted to be in this spot and Be go for the win. And he ended up with no playoff points. Luckily he has a a large enough lead that it, you know, hopefully doesn't matter, but we've seen crazy things happen this year. And, uh, hopefully it doesn't, doesn't come to that. So the other major storyline from the race was the points cut off and, and who was going to make it to the next round. So ultimately the drivers that were eliminated were Kyle Larson, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sindrick. And Alex Bowman. So, any th- what are your thoughts on the drivers that were eliminated this time?
1: Well, I think you got to start with Kyle Larson. I mean, this was a shock and a major surprise that he was not able to advance into the round of eight to try to defend his uh, championship that he won last year. Uh, if you watched the race, or you didn't watch the race, essentially he got a little high in one of the corners, hit the wall, broke a toe link went into pit or went down pit row team thought they were fine points wise. They took their extra sweet time, made sure it was fixed, make sure it was done right. Well, because of the, the, the uh, caution, the chaos, the drivers that all wrecked. And then the overtime, uh, unfortunately he was on the short end of the stick and and missed the playoffs by two points, which we'll get into that here in a little bit in regards to how he missed out. But uh, I think out of those four drivers, uh obviously Bowman with his injuries uh he wasn't going to be able to make it because uh he didn't race so that's not a surprise I don't think I'll say that again
0: it's unfortunate for him
1: yeah and same with Kurt Busch I mean I think I think he he could have made a decent run in the playoffs but uh those two had their concussion issues and and weren't able to contend uh Sindrick I I really don't think Sindrick is is that good a driver to be honest with you. I think he's really good at the road course races, uh, or at least that's his background, but I wasn't surprised with that. But um, Daniel Suarez, I mean, had a fast car. He's had a fast car all year. It just seems like he he just doesn't have the luck on his (laughs) side. Uh, He had some power steering issues there in the mid part of the race. And um, quite honestly, I'm surprised that he was able to tough it out and finish the race from what it sounds like he was on a, uh, a show yesterday and I caught the last end of it. He said that he has never been more excited for a caution to come out <laughs> with that sign. Even if it shouldn't have been thrown, he he was so thankful it was because the car was so hard to drive without power steering that his entire upper body, shoulders, chest, biceps, arms, hands were numb. Oh he had God. zero feeling whatsoever. It was that hard to drive. So Uh, Again, a mechanical issue cost him and it just sucks that these mechanical mechanical issues are costing these drivers from advancing. But again, the biggest surprise, Kyle Larson, mechanical issue, toe link, uh, unfortunately cost him from advancing into the round of eight.
0: So one person that did advance to the round of eight, JP will be happy. His boy, Chase Briscoe, just like everyone saw coming, right? Chase Briscoe <laughs> in the round of eight. Zero. Uh, but he 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 maybe had uh, a little help from Cole Custer, huh?
1: Yeah, so let's let's get into this. <laughs> uh, NASCAR came out. So let's let's back up. Uh for those that didn't watch the race or for those listening, the last lap, Chase Briscoe was was tied. Or, no, he was down two points to the cutoff with Larson at zero, essentially being the last person to get into the round of eight. Chase Briscoe knew this. He knew that he was going to have to make some bold moves on the last lap, but I don't think he knew he was going to get some help from his teammate, Cole Mm -hmm. Custer. So Cole Custer on the last lap lost eight positions on the straightaway before the chicane. It looked like he wasn't even, he didn't even have the accelerator on. Cars were blown by him pretty fast and he was holding up blocking cars, uh, pretty it's pretty obvious what, what was going on in my opinion well cole custer was blocking these cars and allowed chase briscoe to get by him and was able to get the two points needed to then sneak into the playoffs and, and you know knock kyle larson out so with that being said nascar came out and said that they were going to listen to radio transmissions look at the data of, of cole custer's car which does show if he was braking if he had throttle Engine, all of that stuff. They were going to look everything over because they thought it was suspicious, as did I. And NASCAR today came out and said after listening to the radio uh, transmissions between the crew chief and, and Cole, looking at the data, knowing that he lost eight positions on that last lap, they thought it was very obvious, it was egregious, and they did try to manipulate and help their teammate advance into the playoffs. Uh, they suspended his crew chief indefinitely. They fined Cole and his crew chief $100,000 each, and they docked 50 points from Cole as a driver and 50 team or 50 points from the team. Stewart-Haas Racing, of course, says they're going to appeal, uh, but it seems to me like NASCAR has some pretty obvious evidence to back their decision up on this. Because as you and I talked about at work, it, this is a really, really dicey and gray line to be going down in NASCAR shoes in, in regards to basically deciding if a team did it did something on purpose or not. Well, again, they've got evidence to say, yes, they did this on purpose. And that's why uh, they dropped what I call a mini hammer on this team and driver. Um, bringing this up, We were at Bristol. We were listening to the radios. Uh, Gibbs was parked because they didn't want to knock Kyle Bush out of the playoffs. Joey Logano kept making pit stops and then eventually parked. So it allowed us and Cindric to then sneak into the next round of the playoffs. It's been happening for a long time. And I can't stand it. This is not racing. I understand there's teams, I understand that there's a lot of money at stake, but this is not racing when these guys are essentially not giving hundred percent effort purposely slowing down purposely losing spots to manipulate and allow their teammates to then, you know, get the points needed to advance. Uh, what, what is your take on this, Josh? I know we kind of talked about this, but for, for our listeners out there, how do you vo- view the situation and what teams are starting to do in the, in this playoff format?
0: So When I watched the race to me, I didn't feel like it was enough to to say that, yes, he he helped his teammate. That obviously is not that's just me watching the race. I'm not looking at the the data that that NASCAR has. I'm not listening to the spotters and the and the crew chief and the radio. Based on what you're saying, that's pretty obvious that they were they knew what they were doing. and and if you know what you're doing, you're manipulating the race. The team thing, I agree with you. I've always <laughs> wondered about the team thing and how it, and how it came into play. And you shouldn't have teams faking injuries essentially to to get another driver into the playoffs. I think it it ruins the integrity of of the playoffs. It ruins the integrity of the regular season. Um, it's not it's not something that that we really want to see. My question to you would be 50,000 or a hundred thousand points or a hundred thousand dollars, right? Find And Custer gets 50 points. He doesn't care about that. 50 points in the team standings. That's, that's quite a bit of money if they, you know, depending on how far they the team falls um, because that's pretty profitable for the teams. But is this enough to stop potential teams from, using a car like Cole Custer, who's not in the playoffs, not even close, to to manipulate these races.
1: So my answer would be yes and no. And where I'm coming from on the yes side is and this is the first time NASCAR, actually the second time that I know of that NASCAR has come out, basically said a team has manipulated the finish uh and, and give a suspension or a fine. The first one we mentioned a couple podcasts ago. When Michael Waltrip Racing, uh, Clint Boyer Truett, and Truex were on, was on Michael Waltrip Racing, one of them spun out on purpose to c- throw a caution that allowed the other teammate to essentially sneak into the playoffs. Well, NASCAR basically kicked both teams or kicked the playoff team out, suspended everybody and said, you guys, that, that's not happening. This case wasn't as egregious, but it was very similar in my mind because it was very obvious what they did. Uh, to me, on the yes side it, is it shows the teams and it shows the drivers that NASCAR is going to be listening. They're watching. If anything suspicious happens, they're going to you know investigate it and you know act on that from there. So it at least shows NASCAR is willing to step in if they have to. The no side uh, of this is again they're walking a fine line on what what these teams are purposely doing or not doing. Um, again, it's just a fine line, and, and I agree with what NASCAR is doing. And the reason why they didn't go further with suspending Custer, they actually came out and said they were thinking about suspending Custer, and the reason why they didn't is because they felt Briscoe was probably going to be able to get enough points to get in the playoffs regardless of what happened. And so if, if he would have only got in by one point or a tie break, they said he they would have suspended Custer. But because, because Briscoe got in by two points, they said it wasn't egregious enough to suspend him. So I don't think they went – as far as I would have liked to see, because I'm tired of these teams manipulating things. It's been happening for the long time and NASCAR needs to put an end to it because like you said, it ruins the integrity of the sport. It ruins the integrity of the playoff format and they've got to put an end to this. Uh, But again, they've opened Pandora's box Hmm. in regards to what they think is on purpose is egregious, but they have a lot of technology
0: to back up uh, the decisions that they make. So, given the penalty do you think they make the same decision again because I'm looking at this and thinking okay for a hundred thousand dollars and 50 points in the in the team standings I've got a I've got a driver in the, in the top eight now uh, to me I think they're probably gonna make way more money than a hundred thousand dollars being in the, the the round of eight and who knows he, he could win a race and, and go to the, the, the round of four so to keep your driver alive, I think that's probably a, a small price to pay. Um, I, I I just, I, I don't, I don't know if it's enough.
1: Again, I agree. I agree with you. I don't think they, they went as far as they should have, but they at least set the precedent saying, you know, this, this is not going to be taken for granted. We're, we are going to pay attention to this stuff now and we will um, be prudent on, on what we do with that being said, if, briscoe again only won by one or made it advanced by one point or won a tie break they suspending cole custer would have set a much bigger consequence or or warning sign to the rest of the team but again it's cole custer who cares
0: he's he's out of the playoffs
1: but the caveat of that is is they also could have said chase briscoe is not in the next round that, that, was another, that was another thing that they mentioned is if it, it, it was enough to cause Briscoe to get in, which in my mind it was, but for some reason NASCAR says they think that he would have made it no matter what. In my mind, they should have suspended Custer and Chase Briscoe should be kicked out of the round of eight and Larson would then advance based on the point standings. That didn't happen, but NASCAR teams now know that that is a real possibility that NASCAR is and willing uh, are willing to do that. If push comes to shove. So again, I don't think they went as far as they should have, but at least was something because they've got to put an end to this.
0: Maybe it's a, maybe it is just that it's a, Hey guys, we know that this is happening. We're going to penalize Cole Custer on this one, but just know that if this happens again, we're going to go, full throttle on this and, and they're going to be some serious questions. So maybe it's just kind of a, a warning shot to say, Hey, we know what's happening. We're not going to punish this guy, but um, if that's the case, I'm all for it and give, give the teams a heads up and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is what could happen if we deem this to happen.
1: And just think about this chase Briscoe, the one race he won to get into the playoffs was at Phoenix And that Hmm. is where the championship race is. So if Chase Briscoe can somehow point his way or win a race in the next three races, he has a legit chance to win the championship in Phoenix, which if that happens, I hope they put 5,000 asterisks next to his name (laughs) because he is not a championship caliber driver in my opinion. And again, based on what Cole Custer did to manipulate how things went, I don't think he should be in the round of eight.
0: Obviously, NASCAR deemed otherwise. Yeah, that will be <laughs> that will be interesting if if we get to that point. Uh, so, results of the race: stage one, Logano wins, and and he was he stayed out and got that stage win, and then we never saw him again. He was he he pitted and lost his track position, and because you couldn't pass, he was nowhere to be found. Stage two winner was uh, Ross Chastain, and obviously, the winner of the race was Christopher Bell. Chase Elliott led 30 laps and he gets your points for, for most laps led. So now we get to talk about Jeff Gluck's poll.
1: Yeah. So Jeff Gluck's poll, this was, to me, it was, it was a little surprising, but I'm not all that surprised based on how crappy the race was, but his poll said 19.2% of voters said, yes, it was a good race. Wow, You heard that right, 19.2%. It is the lowest road course in pole history. That's 26 races. And if you look at this year by itself, every race this year has been above 50% minus four races. The Charlotte Roble at 19.2, Martinsville at 18.7, Texas at 13.4, and then the Texas All-Star Race at 11%. So that just shows you how far down and how bad
0: people thought this race was. So that's really low. Uh, I'm not surprised. The race itself, like I said, 95% of it was awful. So if Chase Elliott cruises to that win, there's no caution. There's no chaos. Do we see a single-digit poll result? I think –
1: I think you're right on the money on that one. I think you would have seen a poll that was below 10%. I really, really That's how think bad this that's
0: was. It was. Yep. <laughs> it was, it was very awful. So the other thing that was awful was our picks. And so. <laughs> well,
1: mine not so much, man. Again, NASCAR <laughs> screwed me. NASCAR stole, stole you, the victory. You
0: finished 20th. I finished 35th with Larson. You had Elliott, obviously. And so, so not a good day for the Hendrick boys at the end, even though, uh, I, I texted our group chat with when Elliot took the lead and cycled that the, the pits cycled and Redick was behind him. And I was like, I can't believe that I'm going to get a high in the face because of chase Elliott. So, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately for me, it didn't happen, but, um, we'll try again this week. Moving on to the fantasy discussion. So playoff, it was a cutoff race for NASCAR it was a cutoff race for our fantasy league. The playoff average was eighty eight points. overall, eighty two points, so a little bit higher for our playoff teams. Christopher Bell won the race, and Chris Bell was the low with twenty four points. So maybe that's a maybe that's a omen. I don't know. I, he does have Christopher Bell on his team, so, it's uh, a is good this, week for,
1: is this the same guy is Christopher Bell, the NASCAR driver. Yeah. We have the NASCAR. Dr-
0: yeah. We got the, we got the, the NASCAR driver in our, in our league. It's pretty cool.
1: I, I think that's what it is. He, <laughs> he, he, he's trying to be, you know, deceiving or, or flying to the radar. by going by Chris. Instead
0: of <laughs> no, no, one will, no one will recognize him. <laughs> 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 yeah, so funny Chris, Bell, <laughs> Chris Bell got 24 points, and the high was uh Mark Krachey with 134 points. So, uh, he just got his knee replaced 134 points in the play era uh, in the in the, the race this week. So, not good days for, for Mark Krachey, but um, let's look at the standings after the roval. So we now have a top 12 left, and we have a new number one. So Ryan Brash, number two, moves up uh, two spots from number three. Adam Studer moves up three spots to number two. Taylor Slice falls one spot to number three. Bigger Sandwich falls three spots Ooh. from number one to number four. Kinnick. Rolfus falls one spot to number five, even bigger sandwich. No change stays at number six. Amy Weiss moves up two spots and is in number seven. Number eight, Jasmine Rolfis, down one number nine friend of the show. Tracy Norton, number one up six spots. Number 10, crazy Dale. Number two was down two spots. Don Brockman stayed at number 11 and rounding out our top 12. Reagan Rolfes was down two spots. So those are our, those are the teams that make it to the next round. The six teams that were eliminated are Ron Boyson, who missed it by three points. Richard Rainey was minus six. Robert Schaefer was minus eight fast. Eddie and Adam Holtz missed it by 11 points. And then Patrick McMeekin was uh, 50 points below the cut line. So, Overall, the difference between 1st and 12th is 118 points. So pretty good gap between 1st and the final spot in the playoffs. And we mentioned Tracy Norton, number one, jumping up six spots to advance to the next round. So congrats to to his team. And unfortunately, that meant that that Ron Boyson, who was in the playoffs going into the Roval, falls out of the playoffs and is eliminated. And lastly, I just want to point out that uh, all five Rolfes teams advanced to the next round. And three of them are in the top six. So thoughts on the, uh, on the top 12 and, and our standings going into the, to the final cut here.
1: Congrats on rigging the top 12. It's pretty good, Um, right? It's again, it's, all honesty, unbelievable what you've been able to do. It's crazy picking your picking all of your family's teams and somehow being in the top twelve.
0: Picking three teams. I know. The, just kidding, the Girls but, pick uh, their own.
1: Uh, it uh, it's pretty impressive. Again, I'm actively rooting for everybody, excluding Samich or Rolf's family, uh, as I do not want you to win and have uh, that on me. Uh, with that being said. You look at the risers of the week, playoff driver-wise. Uh, Adam Studer, number two, made a hard-charging run. He almost. went from P, P21 to P13, so he almost snuck in with number two. Uh, Tracy Nord, number one, like you said, a friend of the show, went from P15 to P9, and Adam Studer, number one, went from P5 to P2, so he almost snuck two teams uh, into the final 12, but was one position off of that. In regards to the fallers, there was no playoff team that fell more than two to three spots. As you pointed out, Ron Boyson went from P12 to P13, and then Richard
0: Graney went from P13 to P16. I think we just got to make a, a correction here that Adam Studer was out of the playoffs. So he's his team is still trying to make it into the top uh, 10 to get paid. But he was – he didn't make – he wasn't in the playoffs. He missed – he was out. He was eliminated the last time. Which, which team is that? Adam Studer, number two. The number two team? Yeah. If that's the case, man, he's made a heck of a run here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Adam Studer, number two, was in 21st. He was eliminated before. So, But hes he's still in the money. So he might be one of the first people, maybe the first ever – to be eliminated from the playoffs and still make the money. So, right. uh, Yeah. You'd have to think that would be really impressive. um, If he's able to pull that off. Usually the teams that miss the playoffs don't get better as the playoffs go. So that would be, that would be pretty interesting. So just had to, just had to throw that out there and just make sure we had the, the right information. So looking at the rookies, Taylor slice is in P three, Robert Schaefer. Number one, good run there for, for uncle Bob, P 17, but missed the playoffs. Patrick McMeekin P 21, the last of the, uh, Dick McMeekin family is, is out, uh, David Bangert's in 25th and Danielle Sondag is in P 34. Now we look towards this race at Las Vegas. Yeah, it's called
1: the South Point 400 at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and I have four track facts for you about the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I'm going to preface this by saying not none of them are really exciting. <laughs> Fortunately, I couldn't find much. Uh, nonetheless, track fact number one, Vegas Motor Speedway opened in 1996, and it was Then bought by Speedway Motorsports, who owns 10 NASCAR tracks today. Uh, Track fact number two the first NASCAR race was held in 1998. And then the track was reconfigured in 2006 with what we know or what NASCAR calls progressive banking. Essentially, the track was too flat, there wasn't a lot of passing. They decided to increase the banking from 12 degrees to 20 degrees, and that allowed for more side-by-side racing in the corners to hopefully increase the number of passes as well as uh, increasing the excitement of the race. Track fact number three, Mark Martin is the only driver to win in his first start at Las Vegas. So for those of you who are Mark Martin fans, I'm guessing Crazy Dale might have been a Mark Martin (laughs) fan um, because he's under the Ford umbrella there for a long time uh, and sponsored by Viagra. Uh, First, What are you saying about Crazy Dale? Crazy Dale loves to party. That's what that means. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, that's track fact number three. Track fact number four. Uh, I said, I wasn't going to mention anything more about death, but unfortunately, uh, this is <gasps> we lasted one week. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, a track of unfortunate circumstances, uh, for those of you who are IndyCar fans. And I remember this race, uh, vividly, uh, in 2011, the IndyCar racing series was at Las Vegas. Uh, They had one of their worst wrecks in history. 15 cars were involved in a wreck where four of the 15 drivers had severe injuries. And unfortunately, one driver ended up passing away. Uh, Again, for those of you who are indie race fans or those who are just race fans in general, the, the driver who passed away was Dan Weldon. Who was? Oh, I remember that. A very, very good race car driver, mm-hmm. and from what I've read and know, is was even a better person. So, um, unfortunately, this track has some some doom, gloom, and dark surrounding it, and that unfortunately is the case uh,
0: with what happened there. So, I'm glad we made it. No episodes without the death after. Uh, I, can, said... I can promise you that's the
1: <laughs> last death the rest of the
0: year you you can't i can't
1: because i know the rest of the tracks that we're going to and
0: i don't foresee anything about drivers passing away at those tracks so i remember that i remember the the news about him passing what what caused that wreck do you know do you really want to know huh i do now
1: so his car shot up Into the catch fence, and this was before the halo. They call it the halo, which essentially extends the driver cockpit up and above their head and protects their head. Well, the reason why that was created, I think I can't confirm that, but I think it was the halo was created pretty close to after this. But essentially, his head was the one making contact into the catch
0: fence. So, was he the one that caused the 15 car wreck, or was he? I think he was an
1: innocent bystander. I could be wrong. I don't remember the the direct exactly on how it happened, but I just remember his car getting airborne into the catch fence. Um, And unfortunately, uh, he passed away. Um, I'm going to Google this just to make sure. Yeah, it says Dan Weldon's head hit a fence post on the catch fence.
0: Man, that's awful.
1: And there's some gnarly, gnarly, fiery crash pictures online if you want to see it, but I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, really, really sad. But again, I man, I didn't think we were gonna go there, but I saw that and I was like, God, Dan Weldon's like one of the best race car yeah. drivers th- to come from Europe uh, to race uh, in, in America. He's
0: from Britain, right? Was he
1: from England? I th- think so. Let's see where he was from uh british yeah he's from from britain so r.i.p to dan weldon man he was he was a really good race car driver so
0: you hate to see it
1: with that being said let's let's turn turn to the active driver finish list at vegas and my nemesis joey logano leads (laughs) all active drivers with an 8.9 average finish you just hate everybody
0: you're such a hater
1: logano And Hamlin can go pound sand. Um, And Austin, what about Austin Dillon? He's just a lucky race car driver. I don't, I don't hate him. He's just lucky. Um, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's good by any means. Um, So again, Legan and Hamlin, I just hope they finish last every race, but unfortunately there's only one last place. Um, Third place. Usually it's Truex that's getting it. Yeah, I know. Truex uh, leads or is third at a 10.3 average finish. Blaney is fourth at 11.1, and Kyle Bush is fifth at 11.2. So with that being said, I thought last week was going to be the first week where one of us gets a pie in the face. You lead it off this week. Who you got for the South Point 400? So. I already know you're picking.
0: <laughs> Listen, last week was not. A good situation for me. I had my favorite driver, and I was rooting actively for him to get past because I didn't want to get a pie in the face.
1: That is the um, exact reason why I chose him. I wanted so to it worked. Such a
0: bad spot. It worked. I it, I had to root against him. I'm not doing it again this week. I'm picking Chase Elliott. He's been on a tear. He think he he's he's pissed off. He didn't win this race. He's gonna come out. And and win at Vegas, and give me the opportunity to pie you in the face.
1: So I'm gonna say that I did not
0: think you were gonna choose Chase Elliott. I thought for sure you're gonna choose your Homer Hamlin. Now, Elliott's been running really fast lately, so I, I need to I'm gonna I'm gonna run with him for a night for right now. Okay, we'll see. Intermediate, how that... intermediate track, they've been fast. I I. I'm gonna stick with him. He's peaking so, again.
1: Well, let's hope, right? Uh for your sake, that is. Uh Danny Hamlin is actually the race favorite with Chase Elliott being second. Really? Yep. Um man, I am I am really torn here. Uh Toyotas are extremely fast and have been all year at these mile-and-a-half tracks, I am going to pick a Toyota, and I am going to pick Christopher Bell. A good and one. The reason why I'm going with Bell is he's got the momentum. He just won to advance into the next round, these again these Toyos are extremely fast at these mile and a halves and I think it's gonna come down to Joe Gibbs racing versus uh, Hendrick Motorsports for the race win.
0: Let's go Hendrick.
1: So we'll see uh, <laughs> we'll see if one of us can guess right for the first time all year.
0: Yeah no kidding we'll get one of these right so what are your what are your expectations for this race Intermediate track, you know it. They've this car has been historically bad on short tracks and and road courses, but it's really shined on these intermediate tracks. So, are we going to see an actual race here this weekend?
1: I hope so. Uh, Vegas has room to pass and make it too wide. These cars, like you said, have performed well at these mile and a half intermediate speedways. It's a playoff race. These guys have to get started off right in this round to not put themselves in a hole in the next two races. You got to think about what's coming up. Uh, Martinsville is part of the round of eight and Miami Homestead is also new this year to the round of eight. Homestead Miami is a little bit of a wild card uh, because they haven't uh, raced there yet this year. Uh, So these guys need to start off good at vegas and build some points going into that but again this car has historically been terrible at short tracks and martinsville is the cutoff race before the championship race in phoenix so i think these guys have that circled and basically are treating it almost like a talladega daytona style race where anything is possible Uh, you've got to be up front at Martinsville and stay there to have a good race because it's impossible to pass there. So I've got some, some caution, I'm cautiously optimistic about this weekend's race. I think it should be decent. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm hopeful as well. Um, you know, anything that's not a road course or a short, short track at this point is better than anything. Um, obviously Martinsville is going to be, it is going to be what it is, um, I didn't realize that they hadn't raced at Homestead this year with this car. So that's that's kind of interesting that they're in the playoffs without any, uh, any previous race.
1: Yeah, and I think, man, if memory serves me right, I think this is the first year that Miami Homestead is in the actual playoffs this late. Uh, it used to be the championship race. And I can't remember what year they switched it. They switched it then to uh, Phoenix. But uh, Homestead is in Miami. It's in Florida. um, And this is the first time that it's been this far down in the season. I would love to know um, when NASCAR made the change to go to Phoenix as the championship race. I'm going to Google this real quick. Homestead Miami Speedway hosted the championship race for 18 years. And it was moved to Phoenix in the 2020 season. So this will be year three of Phoenix being the championship race. And uh, Homestead being part of the playoffs. I don't think Homestead was part of the playoffs in the last two years before this year. I think that is something new that NASCAR added. Uh, Don't quote me on that. I don't remember Homestead being part of the playoffs last year. So uh, just a a new element that NASCAR wanted to add to the playoff format this year. And uh, we'll see how it plays out.
0: At least it's not a road course.
1: Again, uh, isn't it funny? If you think back, like road course, at least last year, was probably some of the most exciting racing in NASCAR. So then yeah. they almost, they essentially doubled down and added a ton of road course races to the schedule. And now with this new car, the, these road course races are the worst races on the schedule, with a close second being these short track races. And I
0: can live with the, I can live with road courses being boring. I'm not a big fan of road courses. So if they went away, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. But the short tracks, yep, that is what, really got me excited. And when I first started watching NASCAR, the short tracks were, were the races that you wouldn't miss. And, you know, the, the Bristol's and, and you just to, to not have that high level of racing at those tracks is, is highly disappointing and hopefully it changes next year. You know, they're going to make some adjustments and have a whole off season to work on the car. But um, at least we've get, we got a couple intermediate tracks in this round of the playoffs and uh, you know, started off with a, with a good track in Las Vegas. So we'll see what happens. Agreed, man.
1: All right. Well, you, uh, you have a good night. Thanks as always for doing this. It's fun. I hope you enjoy it.
0: And I hope our of listeners course.
1: out there enjoy it as well. All
0: right, man. Have a good night. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Sounds good. See you later. The Top the Pit Box podcast is supported by paradiseexecutiveproperties.com. With winter coming up, now is a great time to book a trip to Lake of the Ozarks and Paradise Executive Properties has you covered. They have several modern and fully furnished homes for up to 19 people, so bring your friends and family down to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation, visit paradiseexecutiveproperties.com. Thank you, my friends. God bless. No breaks, you in my lane, you in my way, you cross that line, it ain't your day, I lost my mind, I need my style!